Hey everybody, welcome to summer. If you're in the western part of the world, specifically the United States, or even in the southeastern United States, you know how hot it's gotten. Anyway, hopefully you're dealing with the heat well enough, and it's only the first month of the season. For the rest of you, I hope you're enjoying whatever weather you have. I don't know, for some of you, summer, it's like the cool season. So lucky you. Anyway, for me, there's not too much going on in terms of what's going on outside of work and WordPress. Right now, Megan and I are in the process of repainting, renovating, and changing around our entire upstairs to get ready for our third kiddo who is scheduled to arrive on September 20th. We're pretty stoked about it, obviously, but take, like redoing the entire upstairs of your house from painting and moving around room, it's like moving, but moving within your house and moving within your house Moving your house within your house, if that even makes sense. Anyway, so like one of the so some of the stuff that we're doing, for example, we're covering we're we're converting one of the kids' rooms into my new office. One of the bedrooms is going to go into a nursery, and then my current office is going to be a room for two of our other kids. So that's fun, I suppose, if you're into the home renovation or painting or whatever. I know there's a lot of podcasts and a lot of blogs out there that are dedicated to that kind of stuff, and that's great. I do it more because out of necessity than out of choosing to want to do it. But anyway, uh, let's see what else happened this week. Um, I started my oldest on her first set of guitar lessons, and she did really well. For those of you that have listened to this podcast for a while, you know that I am a huge fan of music. I've played guitar for the majority of my life, and I got my uh, two girls their first guitar at the Tupelo Hardware Store. Uh, back where Elvis Presley got his first guitar. I did that earlier this year. We started lessons this summer, and she did it really well. So anyway, I guess this is par for the course, but I have considered spinning up a blog to talk about uh, what it is I'm teaching her and what the process has been like in documenting it all. But I mean, I don't exactly have... Like right now, it's just I don't have the time for it. So if you follow me on Instagram, I might share some pictures on there. I shared one yesterday. Some of the stuff for those of you who are interested, because I know a lot of people who are involved in programming are also fans of music. Some of the stuff we covered were like I'm, I'm very much about starting with the foundational aspects. So some of the stuff that we covered, this included the parts of the guitar, the musical alphabet, what it means to have a sharp note or a flat note, the tuning of a guitar what standard tuning is, and then also the idea that there are alternative tunings out there, but it's not anything that we're going to worry about. So anyway, my whole approach is to try to start off with the foundation and then to build up from there. I'm one of those, I'm not going to get too into it, but I'm one of those who I think that there is a difference between guitar players and guitarists. And if I have any say so, and since I'm teaching one of my kids, I do, I want to teach a guitarist, not just a guitar player. Not that there's anything wrong with guitar players, but... I'm about going all into the theory behind it. Finally, before we get into the meat of the podcast, you know, the Q&A, the talk about WordPress, etc. You also know that I am a fan of fitness, uh, something that's a big part of my life, because when you sit at a desk all day, I think it's important to get out and move and also to exercise the other half of your brain. So right now I'm in the period of the year where I'm primarily focused on running as part of my fitness and I don't know why I did this to myself, but I tend to run in the summers. So, yeah, it is um, it's brutal. The heat and then the humidity coupled with trying to run a few miles, I, whatever, I guess. But anyway, that 
So that's what's up with me. It's not much. We're getting the house ready for a new kid, teaching my oldest how to play the guitar, and I'm running in the blistering heat of Georgia. Sounds like life is phenomenal, right? And honestly, it really is. I'm being more facetious than necessary. But anyway, um, that's it for me. So let's get into the actual content of the show. After all, that's why those of you listen to this, submit questions, comments, and all of that jazz. So let's do that. With PHP now at 7.0 and having continuous upgrades throughout this year, what changes could WordPress make to make the code base better? Could you spell out some things that would make breaking changes? This is a solid question, and it's one that is not all too uncommon. But here's the thing. Before I even give an answer, I want to say that WordPress has a commitment to backwards compatibility, and I'm actually a fan of that, and here's why. If you're powering over a third or about a third of the internet, you do have a, I believe, obligation to take care of stewarding older sites or older applications into a more modern or a more updated code base or modern practices or what have you. With that said, WordPress is going to always be a little bit behind the curve of what many of us are used to or what many of us want to adopt. But that doesn't mean we have to avoid new things such as PHP 7 or some of the new features that are coming in future versions of PHP 7. So personally, I actually have a more hands-off approach to WordPress core. A few years ago, I committed some code because I felt like it was worth trying. There was some degree of maybe this is a rite of passage. I don't know. I had rationalized it in some way. It was definitely interesting to get involved. And it's something that I think people who are seriously invested in WordPress and in open source software should try to do because it really opens your eyes in a very good way, in an, edif an edifying way as to what it means to work on an open source project. But with that said, I, at this point in my career, am more of a... Uh, I'm hands off as, as with resolve with, with I'm hands off. I am hands off with respect to core. Now, this doesn't mean I don't follow its development. It doesn't mean that I don't pay attention to certain tickets on track. And it doesn't mean that I don't follow the news around WordPress, WordPress core, what's being introduced to it, what's being deprecated, things like that. All of that stuff is important. And especially if you're a developer, at least following the um, developer guide and the developer resources, that is incredibly important because that's what's going to allow you to know what's still available, what's being deprecated, and what's going to be replaced. So that's a pretty big intro or a pretty big way to segue into my answer to this question. But so with that out of the way, here's how I approach WordPress development using more modern tools like PHP 7 and Composer and a lot of the things that those types of tools and features and uh, or the features of the language, so to say, rather, uh, offer to us. First, um, if you've read anything on my blog in the last year, maybe two years, maybe longer than that, then you know, or if you even listened to previous editions of this podcast or heard me speak at a WordCamp, you know that I see WordPress as an application foundation. And I would say that you could even say I'd see it just as a foundation period. So everything that I do when it comes to WordPress can be conceptualized as having it be a foundation. It undergirds all of the work that I do. So this means that with 
given any environment with as much control as I have, I'm going to choose more modern tools. Now, sometimes this means I have the say-so on the ver- on the version of PHP that's used. This means that I can enforce uh, the, the deployment processes. It means I can set up a, a pipeline for deploying something from development to staging and from staging to QA and how packages are managed. Other times, it means that I need to play by the rules of someone else. So, for example, when it comes to coding standards, I do like PSR4, but if I'm working on a project that has a different set of coding standards, then I'm happy to use those too. I don't really get too caught up as long as the code base that sits on top of WordPress is consistent. Now, this does not mean that PHP 7 or whatever version WordPress has most backwards compatibility with, this doesn't mean that you're held back by WordPress. Instead, PHP 7 offers features that you can use when building your software or your site or your project on top of WordPress. But there's a key. You've got to decouple your code from WordPress as much as possible. And maybe that sounds counterintuitive. Yes, you can still use WordPress APIs. Yes, you can still use native functionality to WordPress. But that doesn't mean that everything that you're doing has to be so tightly coupled with WordPress that you can't, say, test it in isolation. So if you want to take advantage of, say, traits or arrow functions, which are the, or the arrow operator uh, that are coming uh, later, at least in the time of recording of this podcast, uh, or type hinting, anonymous classes, and so on, all of that is completely possible. But the biggest challenge that I would argue isn't actually writing PHP 7 code against WordPress. It's writing solid object-oriented code against the WordPress code base. So again, it's decoupled as much as possible. This frees you up to write code the way that you would want using tools like Composer, for example, that you want, all the while passing information back and forth into WordPress. And the way this is done, or the way this can be done, is through something like a Uh, registry pattern or using services or perhaps an adapter if there's another plugin that you're working with or another part of WordPress that you're working with. Um, If you want to go to if you want to go the headless route, you can write a complete PHP application that communicates with WordPress to the REST API. So rather than thinking about the ways in which WordPress might hold you back, given the versions that it tries to cater to, think of it in terms of How can you build something on WordPress the way that you want and then get the information to and from WordPress in a way that is loosely coupled but still honors the coding standards with which you're writing against and still honors the features of the language that you're working with? Today's episode is brought to you by WPSessions.com. WP Sessions produces training for WordPress professionals and has more than 130 hours of content that you won't find anywhere else. You'll find sessions that help you grow your development skills, improve your business, and serve clients better. You'll also find exclusive discounts for the services and products that you need and want. Visit WP Sessions today and start learning directly from well-known WordPress experts. Head over to wpsessions.com tom and watch your first session for free. Intermediate WordPress developers improve their competency? (laughs) That's a really good question. 
Um, it's really broad, and it's also one that it's not qualified by someone who's just getting their foot in the door. This assumes that you are an intermediate WordPress developer. Here's the challenge, though. I don't know what it necessarily means to be an intermediate WordPress developer. I don't know if it means that you are someone who are co- is competent in building themes or plugins, applications, or things like that. So I'm going to do my best to build off of that. So first, I'd have to say, and this is really more for anyone who's a beginner who's listening to this, you have to know what it is you want out of WordPress. That is, is it a theme design? Do you want to do development, theme development? Do you want to write plugins? Do you want to write the front end to plugins? Do you want to write the back end to plugins, etc.? Or maybe, uh, and if that's the case, then I'd say there is a component to understanding and studying software architecture and design patterns and things like that. Or maybe this has to do uh, with the, with the whole thing. Some people are really good at being designers and then implementing their design, not only doing it in such a way that it looks good, but it, it looks good across a variety of devices that is accessible, that it honors modern standards, etc. Now there are those people are few and far between, but I know from experience from working with people who I consider some very close friends of mine, it is capable or it is possible to be that person. A person can be capable of doing all of that. It's just rare. So with that said, I would say if you're someone who wants to be a designer and you want to work within WordPress, then it's important not only to understand how to design for the web, but also how to define uh, design within WordPress. And that is understanding the template hierarchy and things like that. All of that stuff's documented in the codex, but I'm, I'm just giving a starting point here. Next, I think it's important to understand the components of user experience. Because the user experience is not the same thing as the user interface. Further, I would say that you need to understand certain aspects of accessibility. And the thing about each of these fields, the user interface, the user experience and accessibility, these are all areas in which people are experts. They devote a significant portion of their career just studying accessibility, doing audits, and then also providing ways to build accessible software. So you have to really figure out what part of the process you want to get involved with or just how much you want to know about it. And if that's the case, then I would say it's absolutely worth finding other experts in that particular area of WordPress or in web development. Because this, there are some skills that are transferable. Like if you're someone who's an expert in user experience or you're someone who's an expert in uh, accessibility, those skills can be transferred into WordPress and then implemented accordingly. But if you're someone who just wants to know some, if, you, if you're someone who wants to have contacts in that area, then go to WordCamps or local meetups and listen to talks. Talk to people on Twitter, seek people out online, seek people out through their blogs. There are so many ways and so many resources that you have available at your disposal for at least getting familiar with what's necessary to become successful in that part of the industry. But this isn't just relegated to the front end, and I'll come back to that in a minute. So think for, on the other hand, you're someone who is looking to get into development, or maybe as the question stated, you're already an intermediate developer, you just want to get better. The thing is, you well, first, I I don't I don't really have like a litmus test to determine if you're best suited for the front end or the back end, but maybe this will help. 
So if you enjoy seeing the result of your work appear on the screen and interact directly with the user, then you are likely someone who's interested in the front end. But if on the other hand, you're someone who's interested in building systems that take input from the front end, work with it, serialize the data, data, validate it, send it to, say, other systems via API endpoints, handle the responses and all of that, uh, and then all that you have to show for it is is a value from a database or a JSON response from a third-party API, then maybe you're someone who is more suited for working on the application layer and or the back end, and that's fine. But that doesn't mean that there's less for you to cover. Instead, it's just a different type of material for you to cover. So, for example, it's important to understand, uh, as I mentioned earlier in this podcast, software design. What does that mean? Are you an object-oriented designer? Do you want to do procedural code? Whatever the case, you need to figure out how you want to organize your software. And then from there, there's the notion of test-driven development or behavioral-driven development. There is uh, something called aspect-oriented programming, which is uh, that's a bit of an obscure one. I haven't talked or heard, let alone heard about that one in quite a while. But the thing is, if you want to do, say, object-oriented programming, you need to learn to think in terms of objects, which means you need to be able to do object-oriented analysis. And then when it comes to that, you need to understand how do you tackle concepts like dependency injection? How do you handle return types? Should a function return multiple types? Should it return one? Then there's design patterns. How do you know when to use a certain design pattern versus when to use another one or if to use one at all? How do you know when to write something on your own or to use an off-the-shelf library? All of these are types of things that for just like with accessibility or with other um, user interface design patterns or with user experience patterns, there are things out there that are tried and true and that are the way to go about doing things, but you have to expose yourself to them. Now, I think that a lot of people who are involved in this field are insatiably curious. The trouble is separating the good information from the bad information. And that's where I honestly do think having a good team of people or a good set of people around you with whom either you can bounce ideas off of or who you trust or who are, have somehow have somehow made themselves a pillar. I don't even know if I like using that word, but a corner, a pillar, someone who's reputable in the industry and who does good work. Those are people who are worth following and perhaps just shooting them an email. See what it is that they have to say. Maybe they can't give you an answer, but maybe they can put you in touch with someone who can. The last thing I want to say, and this is a more general statement, is that I think that whether you're starting from the beginning or you're someone who's an intermediate or even someone who's starting to get into expert, I I don't know what an expert necessarily looks like. I think it's one of those things like you know it when you see it or you know when you're not one. Maybe that's a better way of putting it. The thing is, is, the thing is, I recommend as much as possible you put yourself in situations where you see your skills manifest themselves the most But it's not just where you find yourself most interested, but it's also where you find yourself most challenged. Because if you're not challenged, you're going to get bored. And if you're bored, you're not going to have the motivation to move forward. And but then that breeds a bit of a constant cycle. You you are challenged, you master something, then you move on to the next thing and you repeat the cycle. And that's how you get better at what you do. And then from there, you can find other people's content. You can find projects, agencies, firms, whatever. Maybe maybe you can get involved uh, interning for a firm, or maybe you can contribute to an open source project. And then use the feedback that you get during that experience to say, 
hey, this is where I'm good. This is where I'm not so good. And it's going to show you areas in which you can get better. But ultimately, I think the goal is to refine your skill set, positively contribute back to the economy at large, and then repeat the process all the while, like I said, challenging yourself a little bit more with each project or with each feature that you're working on so that you're not staying steady and so that you're still so that your skills aren't getting stagnant. And yeah, as I mentioned, this is a broad question. So I wish I had a clearer answer on resources that you can follow. And it'd be easy for me to sit here and list off a bunch of URLs of different online courses, but I don't know what online courses to necessarily recommend because I don't know necessarily where whoever's listening to this, I don't know where you are in terms of your level of expertise. I don't know where you are in terms of your interest. So I've tried to cast a really broad net to capture as many cases as possible. So hopefully that helps to provide as much information in an answer for a really broad question. I do think it's a good question. I just hope the answer does its service. So that is going to wrap it up for this episode. It's gone a little long for those of you who like the 20 minute mark, but hopefully you really enjoyed this episode. As per usual, thank you for all the feedback that you give on the podcast, be it emails, Twitters, I don't know, snail mail, whatever. What, what, some of the ways that you people have come up to my house and knocked on the window and said something, Matt Medeiros, um, it's creepy, but I appreciate it, I guess. Anyway, um, on the upside, I do have, and more seriously, I have a couple of uh, other sponsors who are also interested in, um, well, sponsoring the podcast. And it's great because these these sponsors are, they have produced content or services that are highly, highly useful to those of you who listen to this, especially for those of you, especially for the person who asked that last question. Anyone who wants to level up their skill in WordPress, there's some good stuff coming. So I really, really appreciate all of that. And it shows, um, in addition to that, the support shows that you ladies and gentlemen are listening. And that's a pretty big deal if the goal of a podcast is to be heard, isn't it? So um, if you're interested as a sponsor, don't hesitate to contact me. And then if you're interested in asking a question or just offering feedback, again, don't hesitate to contact me. I read every single bit of email that I get and I read every tweet that I get. Don't always respond to those because Twitter's Twitter's a weird place. And uh, anyway, with that said, I'll have another episode out in July to continue to cover what's up with me to answer some of the questions that I have in the hopper and to continue doing what's been done for the first half of the year of this podcast. We're already halfway through 2019, which is kind of surreal. Oh, and next month, Stranger Things is back. So for those of you who are fans, that's going to be that's fun. I don't know how what that has to do with this podcast, but I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully you are, too. Until next time, why not do something like tell all of your friends about this podcast? or share it on your blog, or tweet about it, or something. Get some of your colleagues, or, 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 or your friends, or your parents, or whatever. Anyone who might be interested, have them give it a listen. That'd be pretty rad, right? <laughs>